Hey folks, welcome to No Bones About Wrestling. I'm your host, Asa, and I'm here with Kay Fabulous. Hey! And this is AEW Weekly, your weekly dose of all things AEW, uh, match results, rankings, uh, some comedy, some drama, some suspense, some, uh, what else have we got? Some news, some news. rumors. Uh, all sorts of things coming up for you. Uh, so let's jump right into it with uh, with some match results. And uh, we'll talk about AEW Dynamite from October 10th. And they were in Independence, Missouri. It's uh, a cool name for a town. It is, yeah. It's a little, little town in the shadows of Kansas City, as they said. Because some of the performers kept referring to the town as Kansas City. Oh, because they didn't know where they were. Kinda. I mean, the market is Kansas City, yeah. you know, but they were in Independence, Missouri. Hmm. Um, I would, were I a performer, I would refer to it as Missouri. You know, I'd be yeah. precise because we're in Missouri, and the you know, well, whatever. Uh, so Christian, the TNT champion. He starts the show from the truck. He's in the in the production truck, calling the the guys in the truck, you know, assholes and this and that. And uh, he's there because he he wants to watch the number one contender for the TNT title match between Brian Danielson and Swerve Strickland. And I don't know why he has to be in the truck. Yeah, I was gonna say, That's little... just because he's a prick. Yeah. You know. I he wants to see like six different views of it, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Um, so we start out with Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland. Uh, I don't know how they determined these guys are the top two contenders, but they did. Awesomeness. Awesomeness. Awesomeness ratings. So if you're picking the top two, uh, I, again, I don't know. This would definitely be on my list. Like, well, Brian Danielson, I think, is more of the the world title scene. He hasn't held any belt in AEW. Neither is Swerve Strickland. Swerve Strickland was a tag team champion with Keith Lee. Oh, I don't count that. And they were the world tag team champions. For like a week, weren't they? It was longer than that. Felt like a week. I forgot about that. Yeah, Danielson, I, I don't believe, has held any belt. Has he? I don't think so. I don't think he's had any belt. He's he's had some dances with the title. Some dances. Some dances. So, match uh, match had some punishing moves by Swerve. He was working over Danielson's back. Uh, Danielson, of course, got his yes kicks in, and they the yes kicks ended on Swerve Strickland's head. And Danielson got a two count out of that. And this crowd, they were hot. They were on every move, every kick, every punch. I mean, this was a, a great match. And they were on Swerve's side. They they kind of were on Swerve's side, yeah. I was surprised. I mean, I was on Swerve's side, but I didn't expect to be in the majority. Yeah, I was not. But I, I like Swerve, but I wasn't, on his, I wasn't for him here. Uh, we saw a super back suplex by Danielson. We saw a house call and then a stomp for a two count by Swerve. What's a house call? I'm not sure. I wrote it down, though. 
okay. yeah. We can look we can look it up, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure. It was a, it's a move he does. Um, I didn't write down what it was. I just wrote down that he did it. So mm. I knew at the time, but I don't. I no yeah, longer yeah. know. That's fine. Uh, but he hit a stomp after it got a two count. Uh, Danielson hit a boost psycho knee. I know what that is. It's when yeah, he runs at you with the, the knee attack. <laughs> uh, and after the boost psycho knee, Danielson got a three count, and he got the win, became the number one contender to Christian's TNT title. This match was excellent. Uh, do you have any notes before I give my rating of it? I'm looking at my notes. Um, Danielson. Hangman stops. Uh, no, Danielson versus Strickland. Yeah, let me finish my sentence. Hangman stops Swerve from cheating during this match. I think he might be on a, the wrong match. Dynamite, 10 10. Okay. Title Tuesday. Okay. Hangman stops Swerve from cheating. Okay. He steals Prince Nana's crown out of his hands and prevents him from hitting Danielson in the head with it. Okay. I feel like that's worth noting. It is. Because it's a thing that happened. Okay. <laughs> That's my only note. That's your only note. My only note from the match, yes. So that did happen. Uh, so Swerve was not allowed to cheat, so he did lose, in fact. Uh, but this match was excellent. Four and a half bones out of five. Just a terrific match, seeing Danielson mm-hmm. become the number one contender to the TNT title. Yeah. And I, I just feel like it's worth noting the hangman thing. Because Hangman has a match later in the card, and that might come into play later on. Yeah. In the evening. He had, he's facing Jay White later mm-hmm. on in, yes. in the card. And this was the... Also worth noting, you, you, the 1010 reminded me, this was Tony Khan's birthday. But also, it was... Uh, this was the night that Dynamite was on a Tuesday. So... Dynamite went head-to-head with NXT. It went head-to-head with FenXT is what I'm going to call it. Fen- yeah, fake, it? fake NXT. Well. It was like NXT on steroids. Well, NXT, they supposedly, they on their scripts, every episode has a name, mm-hmm. which I think I'm going to start doing for our show here. But every episode <laughs> has a name. Okay. And supposedly the name of that episode was NXT Mania. Yeah, I believe it. So they, they knew, yeah. So, that you know, there was a ratings war. WWE wanted to show them that they could, you know, their developmental show could beat them in the ratings. And they showed them. They did. They beat them by 300,000 viewers, I think, at least. But again, that was not their developmental show. Right. It, it had John Cena on it. It had it The Undertaker, Undertaker returning. It had Asuka wrestling. Uh, so, yeah, it was not... not it was just a bunch of bullshit added to it, <laughs> is what, what it was. Well, they won the ratings, so that's what they were trying to do. But they cheated. They didn't cheat. They didn't put their product up against it. They put a yeah, fake product. No, yeah, they didn't. They did. They did. Their normal product? No. Not a normal product, but they did it. They won the ratings. Even though they called this Title Tuesday, I feel like this was a pretty normal episode of AEW. Maybe slightly beefed no, up. No, it was beefed up, yeah. I mean, look, 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 Danielson versus Strickland for number one contendership to the TNT title. Yeah. Chris Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Ray Phoenix versus Orange Cassidy for the international title. 
Uh, Wardlow versus Matt Seidel. Okay, that's a nothing match. Hangman Adam Page versus Jay White. Uh, Soraya versus Hikaru Shida for the women's title. Adam Copeland versus Luchasaurus. That's a pretty... That's like a pay-per-view, except for the Wardlow match. They called it Title Tuesday, but there are only two title matches. Okay, that's... Uh, yeah, that might might have been a misstep. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. There's still two title matches. I feel like that's not... Indicative? No, I feel like it's not not indicative of a typical episode of Dynamite. I have no idea what you're trying to say. I feel like this was a normal episode of Dynamite. Like, I feel like if you had told me that it wasn't called Title Tuesday and this happened on a Wednesday, I'd be like, oh, good episode of Dynamite. You know, I wouldn't be like, whoa, this is the best episode of Dynamite ever. They totally stacked the card. I hear you. 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 Dynamite's always good. Not Um, always. Almost always. always. Almost always. Almost always. always. It's like like 95%, I'd say. It's probably yeah, higher than that. It's I'll like 97%, 97 yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah there, there's only been really like four episodes I've not liked, really. Probably like four or five in, like in the, the history, four history years watching, that they've been yeah, doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, one, so it's like one a year. For me, I'd say there's been two, but I also didn't watch it from the beginning, so... Uh, so, so yeah, Danielson becomes number one contender. I, I don't know why they're making Danielson number one contender to the TNT title. He's, you know, one of, if not the best wrestler in the world. He should be, you know, in world title contention. It just seems odd. Well, they already did MJF versus Danielson, and both of them are faces now. Yeah. So he's not in that title scene. Yeah, for a and reason. TNT, you know? I guess they're trying to make it the number two title. Or okay. it is the number two title. No, they're I trying mean, to make it the number two. It, well, it with was, Christian has it, it yeah. Adam Copeland's going for it, Brian Danielson's going for it, Swerve Strickland's going for it, it is the number two title. Is Adam Copeland going for it? Uh, he's been fighting with Christian, so I think in, in kind of in that way, he's in the scene, he's in the TNT title oh. scene. It never even occurred to me that that was belt-related in any way. I think he just... He's in the scene. I'm just saying he's in the scene. He's in the title scene because he's He's fighting Christian. Yeah, Yeah. he's beefing with Christian. Uh, So after the Danielson victory, we saw a Samoa Joe promo. Uh, Fancy Joe. Fancy Joe promo. Yeah. Where he's the the world's most interesting man. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we saw Chris Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, Hobbs, of course, accompanied by Don Callis. He's in the Callis family now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, going into this, I wasn't sure what they were going to do because, you know, they've they've been building Hobbs. They, he's, he's, they've rebranded him now, and they want to build him again as a monster. And I knew that. And, you know, Chris Jericho, of course, is a living legend. And so I didn't know what they were going to do. And, but, but of course, he puts, he puts plenty of people over. So I didn't know what they were going to do in this match exactly. What do you mean they were rebranding Hobbs as a monster? When was he ever not a monster? He, he'd been kind of... Uh, he kind of lost some of his 
mojo with the whole QTV thing. and. Oh, I forgot he was even part of that. Yeah. Okay, good call. Yeah, I forgot that that existed. I think I just kind of dumped it from my brain. Yeah, he kind of Sounds like he's only ever had squash matches except for like two or three, you know? No, he had a feud with Wardlow and... Yeah, those, those, those were my two or three examples. Kind of lost lost that some hero. of his lost some of his mojo. So they're trying to rebrand him now with the Callus family as being a, just a dominating monster. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure where they were going to go with this match. I I really, uh, I really had no idea. I was very curious to see, and the direction they went was Hobbs dominating Jericho. He came out dominating Jericho. He beat his ass. I don't know how long it was. Uh, didn't have a stopwatch with me. Uncomfortably long? Yeah, uncomfortably long. Five minutes. It was like eight watching minutes. just this, this beast beat up an old man is what it felt like. That's what it felt like. I mean, Jericho is 50-something. But, is like, it? I never consider him old. He's old. But this match made him look old. It, it, did, it did make him look old, yeah. Like old and, like, feeble. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think that's what they were going for. No. I don't think that's what they were going for, but that's what they got, which is unfortunate. Not good, yeah. Yeah. They were going for Hobbs beating up a living legend, but what they got was Hobbs beating up an old man. Yeah. Uh... Plus, and that's uh, and I'm not trying to diss. I'm yeah. a fan. Of, I'm a no. huge, huge Chris Jericho fan. Yeah, we both are. I'm not trying to diss at all. I'm just saying that's the way it came off. Well, they didn't let Jericho like get anything in. Like I think no, he, I think he hit no. maybe one, literally one move the entire night. I don't know. I think I, I think I would have written it down. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure if he hit yeah. much of anything. But I feel like he had a hit a back elbow. That's what what I'm is sticking out in my mind. But this was a squash but match. Did, like, nothing. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs won. And Jericho was totally dominated. I expected it to be a squash squash match. I'm surprised that you didn't. Like going I did into not, it, no. I 100 percent expected. No, I thought they would make it a, a battle. I just wasn't sure how they were gonna make. You know, fifty whatever he is, fifty two year old Chris Jericho, fighting young, you know, twenty whatever he is, twenty six year old Beast how they were going to make a, a convincing battle out of Jericho fighting Hobbs. How was Jericho going to going to really even battle him? Turns I was, out he wasn't. Turns out he wasn't, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Hobbs got the win there. So we'll see where where he's headed. Uh, kind of the... the the muscle of the, the Callus family as it, as it stands right now. Uh... After that, we have a vignette where Adam Cole, who is in desperate need of ankle surgery, is <laughs> at Roderick Strong's house, and he is cutting Roderick Strong's grass because Roderick Strong, of course, still is in is in a wheelchair for some unexplained reason. And because is he has in, a severe neck injury. And is in the neck brace. Yeah. Still. Uh, He's in no condition to be doing manual labor. Yeah. And he has the kingdom over there, but they can't cut the grass for some reason. So Adam Cole is... Well, they can't cut the grass because he needs Adam Cole to cut it for him. Yeah. I guess because Adam can do it better. 
than the kingdom. Yeah. And Adam did do a very good job. Plus, the kingdom are really busy taking care of Roderick Strong. That's true. That's true. They seem to do a good job of taking care of him. You did not use the word delightful at all in your explanation of this promo, and I feel like that is lacking. Yeah? Yeah. It was delightful. Oh. I find these all delightful. Yeah, okay. I love Roderick Strong. I love these promos. I love everything they're doing. Delightful. They are funny. That's my first note. Delightful. They are funny. Uh, no, I enjoy the the whole thing, yeah, with Roderick Strong and, and Adam Cole. It's it's my favorite thing going in AEW right now. Don't yeah, don't think it's it's died out. It's you said it's, it's still, your favorite thing going in wrestling right now, is well, what yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. I don't watch WWE. Uh Except the sometimes I I watch a couple things, and the the premium live events. Um. But yeah, it's it's my favorite thing happening in wrestling. Yeah, I love it. Whoever is is writing these, and editing these, and filming these is they are some sort of comic genius because they're <laughs> they're funny as fuck. You know, <laughs> they are funny. Uh. They are very funny. Quirky and funny. And the giraffe. Because it's the most next strong animal. Yeah. The best. I did not put two and two together. I did not either. And when they said they have a stuffed giraffe. Oh, that that, that's not on this episode, though. No, but that's no, but I, I, I just... Oh, oh, there is another one. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll save it for when we get to that. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the AEW International title match. The champion Ray Phoenix of the Lucha Brothers defending against former champion Orange Cassidy. It's important to note that going into Title Tuesday, this match was supposed to be against John Moxley, but he was not medically cleared to wrestle, and so therefore Orange Cassidy took his place. And an interesting note about this is that apparently AEW knew it wasn't going to be John Moxley and kept advertising it as John Moxley. So they've kind of gotten into a little hot water for false advertising because they kept advertising it as John Moxley even when they were pretty sure he was not going to be medically cleared for the match. And they kept advertising it to ticket buyers as Phoenix versus Moxley. Card subject to change. Yeah, that's true. What I have to say about that. Yeah, but they knew he wasn't going to be there. subject to change. Yeah, Covers okay. their butts. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, but nonetheless, they were like out and out lying. Card subject <laughs> to change. So Cassidy uh, hit uh, one of his signature around the world DDTs. Looked very nice on Ray Phoenix. Uh, you have any notes for this match? Mox still injured, Cassidy versus Phoenix. Any useful Cass- notes? Cassidy won it back. Oh, you spoiled it. Well, okay. Uh, Cassidy hit the orange punch and put Phoenix in his signature pin, the mouse trap. No one escapes from that. And Orange Cassidy, uh, as Kay said, won it back for the second time. Uh, very good match here from these two. Four bones out of five. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. has escaped from the mousetrap. Did he? Yeah, he's the only person. Oh, thank you. 
I stand corrected. Orange Cassidy, uh, two-time international champion now. Up next, we had a Tony Storm silent picture. And it turns out these silent pictures are her doing pantomime during commercial breaks. Uh, and not good pantomime. Not good pantomime, yeah. They they weren't particularly creative or funny, and some of the time you couldn't figure out what she was doing. They're nonsensical. Nonsensical, yeah. Uh, pointless. Yeah. yeah. And a really big missed opportunity, because they talked about how it was going to be silent, like the classic silent films, but then they didn't use the classic silent film, like, placard you know, of, like, yeah. captions. Right. And and I feel like that was just a missed opportunity to, one, tell us what the hell she was doing, you know? Yeah. And two, to just, like, make it the jokes land, you know? Right. Like, that was an easy way to do that, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Yeah. I appreciate they did it during picture-in-picture picture and didn't waste our time outside of that. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't yeah. know. Miss, Every, everything everything they've done with her so far has been so great that this really stood out as being a dud. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. I thought it was going to be very funny, and uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, not not at all. Uh, up next, we had another, uh, you know, kind of powerhouse that they've kind of re, re, rebranded and brought back, and Wardlow uh, taking on Matt Seidel, poor Matt Seidel. Uh, Wardlow came out, he powerbombed Seidel four times, and the referee stopped the match. And Wardlow was undefeated since he returned. All he does is powerbomb people and the referee stops the match. So that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. I like powerbombs. It is not cool. I hate it. <laughs> really? Ugh. Come on. I like powerbombs. No, like, they could have done this once and then, like, I get the point. You don't need to do this week after week. Like, give me an actual match with this man. And poor Matt Seidel. I like Matt Seidel. Why are yeah. you doing him like that? Yeah, that sucks for Matt Seidel. Get some jobber. Yeah. Don't, don't, you know. Um, and we know they have jobbers because we see him on collision seven times a week, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, next, Daniel Garcia checked on Chris Jericho in the trainer's room after the beating Jericho took from Hobbs. Uh, and Matt Menard did not care for that. He kind of lectured Daniel Garcia for checking on Jericho. You know, Matt Menard feel, feels very betrayed and abandoned by Jericho. And, uh, you know, Menard, Garcia, Hager... Uh, and, uh, what's his name? Cool Hand Ange mm-hmm. have all been still a group post-Jericho Appreciation Society. The J-A-S minus the J. Right, and Anna J also. Mm-hmm. They've still been a group uh, that with no name, yeah. Uh, they should just be the society. I guess, yeah. That's what I think. And they should all wear, like, matching white outfits. That's too righteous-y, maybe. Mm-hmm. But not like a cult, but like a snobby country club. You want them to have a country club gimmick? No, just like a snobby rich people gimmick. Like the society. Like high society, you know? Yeah. 
I don't know. Not that. I think it's perfect because none of them seem like they'd be members of high society. Yeah, that's why it's not good. That's why I like it. No. <laughs> Can you imagine Matt Menard pretending to be a member of high society? No, that's why it wouldn't work. I can't imagine it. No. <laughs> I can't. That's it's bad. It's delightful. Uh, so next, we had Hangman Adam Page versus Jay White. Switchblade Jay White. Uh, do you have any notes for this before I get to the finish of it? Yeah, I guess one thing I should tell you, I don't take notes about the matches. I take notes yeah. about the stories. Mm. So none of my notes are match-related. Yeah, except for uh, the relation between this match and our opening match. Okay. But I'll let you talk because I don't want to spoil the match because mine would involve spoiling. Well, match. Prince Nana came out and he uh, uh, interfered. Uh, he hit Hangman Adam Page with his crown, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Jay White pinned Page after the interference. And that's how it went down. Getting his comeuppance for messing with my swerve during my swerve match. Yeah. Yeah, come up for Adam Page. Yeah, and they're building building Jay White up in preparation for his battle with MJF at full gear. You know they're mm-hmm. giving him some big wins. There's a big win over Adam Page. Uh, Adam Page just lost to Swerve. Adam Page is losing to everyone apparently. Well, but not cleanly both times. Nonetheless, losing. And MJF comes out. Do you have that right now? Yeah. Okay. He came out to demand his belt back. Yeah, Jay White has stolen MJF's belt, uh, the Triple B, and is refusing to give it back. And didn't give it back, yeah. And MJF, you know, couldn't beat up uh, everyone, so he didn't get his belt back. And Juice Robinson has a roll of quarters with MJF's name on it. Yeah. Uh, MJF, uh, you know, MJF told that story uh, a couple weeks, a month ago, about how, you know, some kids had thrown quarters on the floor and... That was forever ago. Months ago? That was months ago, yeah. And said, pick pick him up, Jew boy, you know, something something like that. And uh, how it was, you know, traumatic, traumatizing for him. And uh, so that's what Juice Robinson was uh, was implying by having the roll of quarters with Friedman written on it, that he was going to do the same thing. So Which, th- I, I'm glad you, I think you mentioned it, because I was like, why does he have quarters with his name on it? Because yeah. I was thinking, you know how like Ortiz used to have socks? A yeah. sock with you thought he was going to hit him with the quarters? I thought he was going to hit him with the quarters. I didn't get no, no, it. No, no, It was because of yeah. that story yeah, he told. Yeah, well, I'd, for- I'd forgotten about that story. It was so long ago. So this was kind of uh, controversial. I Now, I didn't I didn't find it offensive because it's, you know, it's storytelling. It's a... Juice Robinson's supposed to be a bad guy. Well, it's supposed to be offensive, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's supposed to be offensive because Juice Robinson's a, yeah. a piece of shit. So isn't that not surprising that people found it offensive? Because it's supposed to be? Right. Yeah, but... 
people found it offensive, well, especially this week because, you know, Israel is under attack. Yeah. By Hamas. So there's a lot of anti-Semitism terrorist attacks going down right now. And they just, you know, people just don't think anti-Semitism needs to be a theme in, on the wrestling show right now. But doesn't it, shouldn't the hero standing up to the anti-Semitist bully be a, a theme? Isn't that a good theme to have? Well, plus Collision, like, almost opens the, with MJF working, like, in real life with the anti-Semitism, anti-anti-Semitism organization, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the work that he's doing with, like, athletes against... Yeah, but that, that aside, I'm talking about the story here. No, but I'm saying, I'm about, I feel like those two things happening in the same week weren't unintentional. Like, I think that MJF is helping guide this story, and I think that he wanted that to be a part of it. I don't think it's a coincidence that the first time an anti-Semitic move happens on AEW is the same week that MJF is doing work against anti-Semitism. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I feel like that was very intentional. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that the when collision comes. Okay. Um, but yeah, so people found this, some people found this very offensive because of what's happening in the Middle East right now. So like I said, I didn't, I'm not Jewish, but I mean, of course, I can be offended on their behalf. You don't have to be Jewish to be offended by things. Uh, um no, I didn't find it offensive. Like I said, the, the, you know, the whole deal is Juice Robinson's a bad guy. He does bad things. Our hero, MJF, is a good guy. And now he's standing up to the anti-Jewish bully. That's the story. So I don't know if people can't understand that. I don't know. They're just saying not now. But it's it's saying, I'm saying now more than ever. This is when you mm-hmm. should have stories about standing up mm-hmm. to the anti-Jewish bullies because that's what's happening in the Middle East is a bunch of anti-Jewish bullies getting their dicks hard and going around and, yeah, don't make that face at me. That's what's happening is, is a bunch of anti-Jewish bullies are getting their dicks hard and going around and bombing the Jews and they won't leave these poor people alone. That's what's happening over in the Middle East right now. So this is a time to tell the stories about people who were who were mean to the Jews, like Juice Robinson is being. This is the time to tell those kind of stories. You know? Mm-hmm. You don't think so? I don't disagree with everything you're saying. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Well, that's my take on it. So after that, uh, they did Act 2 of the Tony Storm thing. Just as terrible as Act 1. And yeah, I have nothing new to say about it. Yeah. As Act 1. I have nothing new to say about it. No, it was the same as Act 1. It told no story. Yeah. Nothing accomplished. It wasn't funny. It told no story very poorly. Yeah. So, Miss. Two missed opportunities. 
Uh, and then we had an AEW Women's World title match. Uh, the Women's World Champion, Soraya, taking on Hikaru Shida. Uh, so, Ruby Soho, she dresses as a ninja. And she comes out of the crowd. She's dressed as a ninja? She's dressed as a ninja. She was supposed to be one of the, like, camera crew people that dress in all black and, like, no, cover No, she had heads. everything except her eyes covered. She was dressed as yeah, a ninja. Yeah, sometimes their camera people cover their heads with those things. She was dressed as a ninja. She was dressed as a cameraman. Okay, well, I think she was dressed as a ninja. She mm-hmm. came. Ninja. She came and she tried to spray Sheeta with the green... Spray paint, but Sheeta reverses it, sprays it into Soho's eyes, uh, and then out comes Tony Storm to chase away her outcast uh, teammate, Ruby Soho. It's not her teammate anymore. She's not part of the outcast anymore. It's very confusing. It's not. She's not her teammate. They're not in the outcast. No. Tony Storm is not in the outcast. And Ruby Soho. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Well, she does that. And uh, back in the ring, uh, Soraya makes a pen attempt. Sheeta reverses it and gets a three count. Wins the women's world title for the third time, does Hikaru Shida. Uh, so this match was just okay, uh, I have to say, unfortunately. Sheeta was good. Soraya, uh, not so much. Uh, so this one I gave three bones out of five. It was it was just okay. It wasn't atrocious or anything, but the the you know like I said it was just okay. Did you get bone ratings for the other matches? Well, yeah, yeah I did. Oh. I didn't for Jericho versus Hobbs because oh, it was a squash. Oh okay, I gotcha. And I did for Danielson and Swerve. That was four and a half bones out of five. Phoenix and Cassidy was four bones out of five. Hangman, Adam Page, and Jay White, four bones out of five. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I didn't remember you saying those. Yep. So, Sheeta, three-time women's world champion. First ever. First ever, three-time, yeah. So, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, we'll see how her third reign goes. Uh... Back in the back part of the arena, MJF calls Adam Cole, you know, to kind of talk about what went down with the Bullet Club gold. Uh, Of course, Adam Cole is still at Roderick Strong's house, and we're told that it doesn't have good cellular reception. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it has has spotty cell phone service, uh, and so he makes this call, and, uh, you know, he can't get Adam on the phone. So MJF has to deal with his problems himself uh, for the night, at least. Uh, next, we get a Christian Cage promo. And... After that, the night's main event, Adam Copeland, formerly known as Edge in WWE, his uh, first match with AEW as he fights Luchasaurus. 
And uh, this is another one. Uh, talk about, you know, the old guy taking on the big, you know, monster. Mm-hmm. Like Jericho versus Hobbs. But this time we had Copeland versus Luchasaurus. This went a little better for Edge, though. Yeah, but Luchasaurus dominated mm-hmm. the first seven minutes, six, seven yeah. minutes of the match. I Just, think there were three times during this match where I said out loud, they're not really going to make Edge lose this match, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I thought there was no way in hell, but he was getting his butt kicked like so vehemently that I I thought that it was going to not be possible for him to make a believable comeback. Yeah. Uh, but he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made the comeback. He won with a spear. For the pinfall. Can we not get him a new move? Now that he's in a new company? Yeah, that's a lame... Let's get rid of that That's a lame finisher. Unless you're Goldberg, man. That's a lame finisher. I don't buy it. Unless you're a former, like, NFL football player. Exactly. That should not be your move. Yeah, Or Ray Ripley. No, then that should not be your move. Yeah, I don't buy it. I I just don't buy it. Especially if you're Ricky Starks spearing people. Fucking give me a break. It's like a skeleton. It's like a hit with a skeleton. Yeah. Yeah, I don't buy it. So after the match, there is a melee. Adam Copeland's fighting. Luchasaurus is fighting. Christian uh, comes down. He's fighting people. Nick Wayne comes down. He's fighting. Uh, the Blackpool Combat Club come down. They are uh, fighting. Hangman Adam Page comes down. He's fighting. Swerve and Prince Nana come down. Nana is not fighting, but he's supporting Swerve, who is fighting. The Gates of Agony come down. They're they're fighting. It is a fucking wild finish. It's the most, by far, the most exciting part of the show. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they really you know hyped up this dynamite, and it was good, but it wasn't you know. Uh, Everything they hyped it up to be. They, you know, they really hyped it up as we have a great dynamite and we're going to show WWE who's who's who and what's what. And I thought it was great, except for the Jericho Powerhouse Hobbs match. I mean, it was... It was oh, and the Wardlow match. It was very good, but as you said before, it was like a normal episode of Dynamite. Yeah, but normal episodes of Dynamite are usually really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was good. But you know, as I said, this, this fight was the most exciting mm, part of yeah. the show, right? I know, I really liked that opening match. Swerve Strickland and, and Danielson. Yeah. I was very into that. Mm-hmm. No, I, yeah, I guess I guess I guess as far as le- excitement level goes, yeah, the end yeah. of the show would would beat that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how we go off the air with a with a huge melee going on and uh we we have some stories going on here in here in AEW. It's it's nice. Uh most matches still get put on with no story. Uh, for instance, Soraya versus Hikaru Shida, women's world title match put on with no story. Uh, well, that's because it's women. Women have no story. Hangman Adam Page and Jay White, no story. Mm-hmm. Wardlow and Matt Seidel, no story. Ray Phoenix and Orange Cassidy, no story. What's well, the rematch? Well, you never had a rematch for the belt. Okay, but give me something. I mean, that's more than nothing. Okay. Jericho versus Hobbs, there's a little of a story. Yeah, the Don Callis family. 
Danielson versus Strickland, no story. You know, I mean, this is this is what AEW is failing at right now. This okay, is. No, but Danielson. Let me finish no, what but I'm saying. I'm disagreeing with something you said. Danielson and Swerve have a story. It's that they're both vying for the number one contender spot. That's for, not a story. It's a situation. It's that, a situation. It's not a story. But I mean, it's a reason for the match. You're saying there was no reason for it. I'm saying there's no reason for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it's the not reason. a story. It's not a story. I feel like it's a more saying valid Saying these guys are the top two contenders is not a story. Well, I'd rather like, have that. That guy stole my jacket. That's a story. Wouldn't you rather have these guys are the number one contender or fighting for the number one contender spot over that guy stole my jacket? No. What? No. What? You can do both. That's the that's the thing with wrestling. You can and should do both. We're number one contenders, and he stole and my jacket. And then Swerve steals your jacket. Yeah. I disagree. And then there's a story. Now you got a matchup because you're 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 two top contenders, and the dirty heel has done something to you. Yeah, or whatever. He steals Brian Danielson's favorite, you know, uh, plant or something. You know, from his house, he steals the he steals the plant that Brian Danielson sings to during the day. Oh my God! Then you got a story, and and this is what AEW is failing at right now. They're failing from to me at it, and this is why so many of their matches. I mean, they have amazing athletes, amazing wrestlers. A, a a fantastic roster of men, um, and and so many of their matches don't feel engaging, uh, and it's because they don't bother to have a story. They just say, "Hey, this guy and this guy are awesome. Let's put them in a match," and that's not enough. That's not enough. It's enough for me. If if you're awesome, uh, if you're you know really awesome, it can be enough. If you're, you know, Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega, okay, mm-hmm. that can be enough. Yeah. But aside from being like the best in the world, it's not enough. You know, you you need more. You need s- some attempt at a story. You know. I know that. I know that I. I'm not in the majority, but I don't agree with you. And I mean, are we are we talking about this now, or are we saving this for topic of the week? Because our topic of the week is about stories. Is it? Yeah. We can talk about it later. Okay. I was just wanting to point out how many lacked a story on that show. We're going to Collision. Okay. October fourteenth, in Toledo, Ohio. Home of the minor league baseball Toledo Mud Hens. That's a random fact. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I know about Toledo. Hmm. Uh, Adam Copeland comes out and says, you know, he's glad he's back, that whole thing. He's still on his I'm glad I'm, uh, I'm, or I'm glad I'm here tour. He's on the CM Punk welcome tour. Yeah. Um... And then TNT champion Christian comes out with a f- security team 
and Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. And they have a verbal sparring match, and out comes Brian Danielson. And uh, he wants to fight Christian uh, right now. It doesn't happen. Um, and then Ricky Starks and Big Bill, the World Tag Team Champions, they come out. And this was pretty funny. Uh, Ricky Starks tells Edge, he says, don't look at me with those bug eyes. And Edge, I guess, takes offense to it. And he says, I was looking at those silk slacks, you dumbass. And then, uh, and then I can't remember what Stark says, but then, then, uh, Adam Copeland says, yeah, he's, oh, no, no, um, Ricky Stark says, yeah, it's called Fashion Sense, you, you didn't get any of it from the place you came from, and, uh, Adam Copeland says, yeah, you just stole it from The Rock, and everybody's like, ooh, and then he, uh, Adam Copeland says, yeah, you're just a midget version of him. He actually says, you're just a vanilla midget version right. of him. Right, yeah, you're just a vanilla midget version <laughs> of him. Right, that's oh. right. That's true. A vanilla midget version of him. So, I don't know, I guess uh, Adam Copeland took the bug-eyed things uh, personally, but he really just flamed Ricky Starks there, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He is kind of a discount rock, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so then out come FTR, uh, for some reason, and they got, they got a bunch of excuses, talking about how they're banged up, but so is everybody else, and so is the audience, they're banged up, but they're going to work tomorrow, and this and that, and uh, they said, uh, we don't need a rematch instantly, we'll earn our rematch, and then the, the security team of Christians attacks the faces, and then the faces beat up Christian's security team. And Danielson ends up with one guy in the label lock, and Christian's at the top of the ramp just staring, and Brian Danielson is just holding the label lock on this one guy who's tapping out and just dying in this label lock. And uh, that's how that, uh, that ends, and it's a, just a, a weird way to open the show as all these people come out and absolutely nothing happens from it. Nothing it gets accomplished from it. Well, they start saying like, oh, we're going to have a match, like a... Yeah, like, like a, a six-man. Like a six-man. Six yeah. And like, then that doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a total waste of time. And it's so weird that it ends with Danielson doing the labella on that security guy because he's a face. Yeah. And the guy's like tapping his little well, the, heart no, out. No, but the security guy attacks him though. No, I understand that. Okay. But when the guy's tapping and tapping and tapping and you're a face, you gotta let go. You know? One one would assume. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, nothing comes of this segment at all. Uh, so next, uh, we're shown that MJF attended an anti-Semitism event uh, put on by Robert Kraft. I believe put on by Robert Kraft. He was there, at least. And the, Stand Up to Jewish Hate is the name of the campaign. The owner of the New England Patriots. I believe the the address, the web address is what? 
is it StandUpToJewishHate.com? Is that correct? I believe so. It's, it's led by the Foundation to Combat Anti-Semitism. There you go. Um, That's a New England Patriots owner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he uh, attended that anti-Semitism event. And as you said, it's it's probably not a coincidence they did that anti-Semitic angle on... Mm-hmm. Wednesday, and then they showed this about MJF attending this anti-Semitism event on Saturday. Combating anti-Semitism events. Where did I say? We just said anti-Semitism events. Oh, combating anti-Semitism anti-Semitism event. Yes. Um. Yeah. So that's something definitely. Look into uh, if you're interested in uh, in learning more about it. Uh, it said, you know, Jews are 2% of the population, but they're involved in over 50% of, uh, of uh, religious-based hate crimes. So that's pretty, that's pretty uh, terrible. It's a pretty terrible statistic. Mm-hmm. So, and that is, uh, you know, anti-Semitism has been a problem in uh, in societies dating back to before World War One, and of course, it came really to a head in in World War Two with the the Nazis, you know, and they weren't the only country who was anti-Semitic uh, then, uh, and. Uh, still a lot of anti-Semitic people around today. So something to learn about and combat. And uh, I don't know how you just try and talk to people uh, that you know, if you know they're anti-Semitic and uh, just try and talk to them. That's all you can really do, really. So next, we had a Ring of Honor World Television title match. And the champion, Samoa Joe, defending against Willie Mack, another big man. Uh, There was one spot in here where Joe hit Willie Mack with a Manhattan drop. And then a senton, got a two count out of that. Uh, Joe hit a power slam where he, he dropped Willie Mack on his head, got a two count out of that one. Willie Mack hit a stunner, a Stone Cold stunner on Joe. Got a two count out of that one. Uh, then at one point, Willie Mack climbed the turnbuckle, and Joe grabbed him, hit a muscle buster, and got a three count for the win and the pinfall. Smojo retains the Ring of Honor World Television title. This match, pretty good. Got three and a half bones out of five. Wasn't really very long. It was longer than I thought it was going to be. Really? Yeah. Oh. I thought. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be a squash match, but mm-hmm. it still went longer than I expected. Hmm. Yeah, three and a half bones out of five for that one. Uh, next, uh, Miro's wife, CJ, came out and said she's going to manage uh, people. And. Uh, out popped Action Andretti from wherever he's been hiding. Ring of Honor. Oh, yeah? Is that right? And he said he's interested. 
And he said, and if you don't know, now you know. I'm Action Andretti. <laughs> uh, and then and then he returned to wherever. Um, oh, it's way funnier when you say it for some reason. <laughs> uh, next, we had a Danhausen return uh, vignette uh, with the, the parody of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Uh, where uh, the theme song plays on the television, on the on the like old school eighties or seventies TV. Uh, very, where it says very 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 nice, very nice very nice, very evil. I really enjoy that, so mm-hmm. I can't wait till Dan Housen returns. And then it says, "Love that Dan Housen, like love that Joker." Yeah, love that Joker from Batman nineteen eighty nine movie. Uh, I love Dan Housen. I know he's a very polarizing figure in, in wrestling, but uh, I love him. Love him. He's he's very funny to me. I think there's room in wrestling for comedy. Uh, I know some people think there isn't, but uh, man, that guy's funny. So he's he can stay on my television. He's fine with me. I also love Dan Housen, but I think you love Dan Housen. Because I think if you were a wrestler, you would be Dan Housen. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I love him. Uh, next, we had Juice Robinson taking on Christopher Daniels. And Juice Robinson, of course, accompanied by Bullet Club Gold. And this was a squash, not much to it. Juice Robinson gets the win over Christopher Daniels, who uh, has been doing backstage things uh recently he's uh, not been wrestling as much lately and robinson after the match he cuts a promo about the dynamite diamond ring and we're doing the dynamite diamond ring battle royal on uh dynamite this coming wednesday and he's in it and he very much wants to win the battle royal so he can face MJF for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. So we'll see if Robinson can do it. So is this how they've always done it? Where you the Battle Royal is to see who will face the current holder of the ring? Yes. Okay. Well, not at first, because there was no holder of the well, ring. Well, yeah, no, obviously on the first time. But I mean, ever since then, that's been the... Yeah, yeah I'm okay. pretty sure, yeah. I couldn't remember, and it seemed—I guess I had misremembered that. I thought MJF was in the battle royal and had just won every time. This this way makes more sense, I think. Hmm. See, MJF has had the ring since they've done it. He's had it for three years or so. Uh, no one can take it from him, and it seems. Uh, it, it seems hard to picture someone else with the dynamite diamond ring now, you know? Yeah. Can you picture Juice Robinson with the dynamite diamond ring? Wouldn't that be weird? I don't know. I know if I won that thing, I'd be like, let's wash that in some hand sanitizer first from all the times it's been down the front of his trunks. Yeah. Gross. That's true. That's true. Everybody's kissing on it. Yeah. Who's kissing on it? MJF kisses it all the time, and then when... Uh. When Juice Robinson had the fake one that he got on 
collision. He was kissing the fake one. Oh, that's a fake one, though. Nobody's kissing MJFs. MJF is. Okay, just, and, just so him. I'm just saying, if Juice Robinson wins it and wants to kiss it, I would definitely clean it first. Let's see. And you know he won't clean it. No. 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 Probably pee on it. He probably would. Uh, next, Nick Wayne is told that he is having a sit-down interview with Jim Ross and his mom on Dynamite. So that <laughs> that should be entertaining. His reaction to that was so perfect for, like, a kid finding out that their mom's going to be at the meeting, you know? It was, yes. It was, it was excellent. Very yes, well done on, on Nick Wayne's part. It really was. It felt very authentic. Mm-hmm. It, it really was, yeah. It was like the parent-teacher conference. You're like, oh, my mom's going to be there? Yeah. All right. Uh, Kyle Fletcher continued his solo uh, solo wrestling career that he's been forced into with the injury of Mark Davis as he beat Boulder of Iron Savages in a squash match. I really am sick of seeing the fucking Iron Savages on the television. They have become collision regulars. Yeah, I don't understand... Do people enjoy them? Are they selling merchandise? What I don't understand is for the last month, I've seen them have like five matches. Do you know how many Ruby Soho matches I've seen in the last month? Yeah. None. Zero. None. Yeah, good point. What's up with that? I don't know. She would sell t-shirts. I'm, nobody's buying a damn Ass Eater t-shirt with the boulder on it. L- licking ass. It's disgusting. Stop. I need you to stop talking about that, please. It's disgusting. Their gimmick is disgusting. Fat guys eating ass. It's disgusting. I think anyone eating ass is a crude gimmick. Uh, yes, but especially these fucking ugly fat dudes talking about eating ass. It's it's just it's uncouth and disgusting. And I'm sick of them. And Kyle Fletcher beat Boulder. It was a squash match. <laughs> uh, the acclaimed and daddy ass have a promo, and Max Caster wants MJF to notice him and to think he's cute. He said, "I love that the 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 Twitter world is now bleeding into the regular AEW world. It's just." delightful and makes me very happy so billy gunn and bowens are going to help caster with his manners and they're going to help they're going to help him get mjf to notice him i guess mm-hmm. uh, in a non-creepy way in a non-creepy way right because the creepy way is not working yeah he's tried it many times if you're if you're on x Formerly Twitter, he has tried it many times, and the creepy approach is not working. Yeah, and if you're not following both of them, you should, because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. It really is. It is. It's just great. Yeah, Max Caster is very funny on, on X. Uh, up next, there's a confrontation with uh, Jake Hager, Daddy Magic, Daniel Garcia, and Cool Hand Ange, and... There's a challenge laid down for collision. Between them and the acclaimed. Right. The acclaimed and daddy ass 
lay down the challenge. Uh, it's not clear which three of them they'll be wrestling, but I assume Daddy Magic, Daniel Garcia, and Cool Hand Ange, not Hager. That's just my assumption. They mm. didn't. They didn't say which three. My assumption was not Garcia. Oh, so I don't know. Yeah, three of them. Out. Three of them. Uh, next, we have a TBS title match: Chris Statlander defending her belt against Sky Blue. Uh, had a good power bomb by Sky Blue during the match, uh, but eventually. The match was won by Statlander, who hits her tombstone pile driver for the pin and the win. Statlander uh, retains her belt, and this match was pretty good. Uh, Sky Blue is improving. I gave this match three and a half bones out of five. I have storyline things to say about this. Okay. So Sky Blue has been appearing wearing different makeup. Right. Ever since she got misted in the face by Julia Hart. Right. She also is no longer bubbly and joyful when she comes out. She's dour. She's dour. She's grumpy. She's sad. She looks melancholy. Like life has no meaning. At the end of this match, Willow comes out. And Chris Statlander goes to check on Sky Blue. And Willow's all like putting her hand up like, get away from her. We don't need you. Willow also has the new... I got misted in the face by Julia Hart and now have sad makeup. Willow does not come out to her fun, happy music and isn't skipping and smiling. She is also depressed looking. What a weird storyline to go with. with For women who never get any storylines. Like, this is the one that you've chosen? And Julia Hart, nowhere to be seen after getting married in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going on her honeymoon in reality. It's a planned absence. Uh... But she will return, and apparently they have big plans for her as, as being, you know, part of this storyline. Even though they ended her winning streak just before she went off to get married. Uh, well, like, here's what I don't get. She's already part of a faction. Are these women going to join her faction? And if so, what faces are left? She's turning all the faces into, like, her little... Demon minions. Like well, Shida and Chris Statlander are yeah. still faces. That's true. Um, Britt Baker's a face, I think, right? Who? Britt Baker. Yeah. Britt Baker's a face. Uh, that's about it. That's about it, yes. Hmm. Seems like an odd choice. Hopefully, Interested to see well, where they go with at it. At least the women have a story. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, and it's a I'll costume slash makeup based story, which I approve of. <laughs> so I'll say that at least they mm-hmm. have a fucking story. Yeah. Um. We'll see if it's going to be interesting or not, but it seems somewhat supernatural in nature. So I'm for that. I like that. Uh. Next, we have a, a short Kyle Fletcher promo in which he pretty much just challenges Kenny Omega. And uh, later on the show, it's confirmed he gets a match against Kenny Omega on Dynamite. So we're going to see Kyle Fletcher versus Kenny Omega, and I bet you that shit is going to be awesome. I am so excited about that. See, just another example of how I don't need a story for a match. Him just challenging him and him accepting, I think that's great. 
But if there were a story, it would be better. See, I don't, I don't agree with that. Uh, next, we had uh, La Faction Ingobernable. Uh, there's a, a pretty good uh, vignette. It show, shows them just causing mischief. They're beating up people and tearing things up. Shows them like ripping up a house, basically, and beating up people. Very, very film cinematically. I should. Yes, film very cinematically, and shows them driving recklessly in a car, and they're just tough guys and bad, bad dudes, and it was pretty cool actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're returning soon. Drillistico, uh, Preston, uh, Preston Vance, Preston Vance, yeah. Uh, and Roosh. Roosh and Jose. The uh, assistant. Jose the assistant are returning soon. So I'll be very interested to see uh, what impact they have. Because uh, not, not Jose, but the other three are very talented. So I'll be very interested to see what they do with them. Can I ask a question? Okay. Do we have any face factions besides the elite? I don't think so. This is another heel faction that's coming. We gotta get some face factions for them to fight, right? Well, the Blackpool Combat Club have, have turned face with Mo- in Moxley's absence. People have been cheering Cesaro and Wheeler Yuta as a tag team, and people have been cheering Brian Danielson. People have always been cheering them. Brian Danielson is a face. The rest of Blackpool Combat Club are not faces. They've turned face, I'm telling you. Cesaro, or I mean, what's his name? Uh, Claudio Castagnoli. Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta have, like, turned face in the last two weeks. Huh. They've been playing playing face, and they've been, and been, uh, I say playing face, they've been wrestling face, Mm -hmm. and uh, they've been getting face reactions. Huh. Okay. So we got two? Two, yeah. So... We'll see if they stay face, but they are for right now. I hope so. They need need them, you know? Mm-hmm. So we get another collision squash match. I, t- I tell you, I wish collision were not just full of sh- squash matches. Mm-hmm. There are so many people on this AEW roster, so much talent, and they only have, not not counting Rampage, they only have four hours a week. Why even use... Use it on squash matches, you know? Well, this, this makes the fourth squash match this week. Because we had two on Dynamite this week. So we got Keith Lee versus Turbo Floyd of the Outrunners. I'm sorry, his name is awesome. His name is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So Keith Lee, Keith Lee wins with a sit-out powerbomb and a pin. I have nothing to say about this match. The Outrunners are awesome. It's a shame that they're jobbers. Because they deserve the moon. Are you basing this solely on the way they look? And their names? Uh, I like the way they wrestle, too. Hmm. Uh, there's then a Miro promo. Where he talks nonsensically about, you know, things in the world. And how he wants to... And the Redeemer. And he's the Redeemer and this and that. And... And then basically he pulls up, like, the head of Action Andretti to show that he's found and beaten up Action Andretti. <laughs> it's uh, not a severed head. It's attached to his body. Right, 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 right. 
<laughs> I'm confused about Miro's thing. It, every week it confuses me more. Is he the redeemer or is he talking about, like, is he talking about himself in the third person? I think so. Because I thought the redeemer used to be God, like, for him when he was talking mm, about the redeemer. I think he's the redeemer. Because he used to do things in the name of the redeemer. Was that, like, in the name of himself? I think so. I think he's the redeemer. Oh. I think so. But I don't know. Okay. Okay. It's all nonsensical. Uh, next, we get a Mystico promo. And uh, Mystico is the CMLL World Historic Middleweight Champion. And if you don't know CMLL, it is, they, well, they claim to be, and may actually be, I think they are, uh, the world's oldest pro wrestling organization. And they're from Mexico. Uh, and Mystico is coming to AEW. And he is pretty awesome from what I've seen, and uh, we should uh, embrace him and enjoy him. He has a match on Rampage. Yep. Against Rocky Romero. Mm-hmm. And uh, next we have an AEW TNT title match. Christian taking on Brian Danielson. Uh, pretty good one here. Uh, Danielson catches Christian in his submission holds at various times throughout the match, and Christian ends up, you know, worming his way out of them. Uh, Christian seems outclassed, but not by much, really, you know. That's kind of the story of the match. Uh, Christian hits a backdrop on Danielson on the apron of the ring. Uh, Danielson hits a diving headbutt on Christian. Hits a running clothesline on Christian. Danielson has Christian in a label lock, uh, but out come Big Bill and Ricky Starks. Big Bill distracts the ref, while Starks hits Brian Danielson with one of the World Tag Team title belts. And then Christian pins Danielson. It's worth noting that Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne were banned from ringside. Yes. To make it a fair fight. uh, Not thinking that they would need to ban Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Right. Uh, So, yeah, so Christian pinned Danielson uh, after cheating to retain the TNT title. Uh, After that, Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus come out. Adam Copeland runs out. FTR run out. Uh, There's a melee, uh, just like on the end of Dynamite. There's a melee. At the end of it, Nick Wayne gets caught in the ring alone with the faces, and he decides what to do, and he turns as though he's going to attack Edge, but before Nick Wayne can do anything, he gets, uh, I say Edge, Adam Copeland, but before Nick Wayne can do anything, he gets speared by Adam Copeland, and uh, the faces stand tall, and uh, that is how the show ends, with Adam Copeland, FTR, and Brian Danielson standing tall together. Uh, good match, good way uh, to end the show, even with the, uh, you know, the, the cheating end to it, uh, four bones out of five for Christian versus Brian Danielson, uh, 
Uh, match of the week this week was Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland from uh, Dynamite, though. The, the, I agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, so just uh, some matches coming up. Uh, on Dynamite, the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal, the winner faces MJF for the Dynamite uh, Diamond Ring. Tony Storm debuts her newest blockbuster film. Penta El Cerro Miedo faces Switchblade Jay White. Sting addresses the fans. Some people believe it will be retirement talk. Uh, Kyle Fletcher faces Kenny Omega. Yes. Nick Wayne and his mom have a sit-down <laughs> interview with Jim Ross. <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying that so much. <laughs> uh, it's like he's in trouble. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, on Rampage, Mystico of CMLL faces Rocky Romero. Uh, they both have belts in CMLL. I don't think either of their belts is on the line. I'm not sure, though. Apparently, they have a big rivalry going in CMLL. Mm. Uh, on Collision, Miro faces Action Andretti. And there'll be more to come, of course, on Rampage and Collision. I wonder how that match is going to go. <laughs> is it time for the news? Do you want to do the news? It's time for the news. Uh, Saturday, AEW Battle of the Belts 8 uh, comes on after Collision. So make sure to set your DVR. Um, you have to set it separately. If you set it for collision, it won't automatically record. You have to search for Battle of the Belts 8. Yeah, if you have it set to record the last year's Battle of the Belts, you still have to set it to record this year's Battle right. of the Belts. You have to find Battle of the Belts 8 and set it to, t to record Battle of the Belts 8. Don't make the same mistakes we have in the past. Right. Uh, AEW and CMLL are excited for future opportunities to work together. Uh... The Mystico match on Rampage versus Rocky Romero is just the beginning of this, apparently. So, anything that brings more luchadors to AEW, I am for. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't wait. I'm not super familiar with CMLL. I mean, I know who they are, but I know more about AAA, so uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to learn more about them and, uh, and see some uh, awesome luchadors come through. Uh, Kota Ibushi gave details regarding his AEW contract during an interview this week on X posted by HD Subs. So what are the details regarding his contract? So his contract was first uh, signed for AEW Blood and Guts on July 19th. Um, and he said that there were certain conditions that he required be met in order to agree to a deal with AEW. One of them being that he's going to continue to live in Japan and that he's going to be able to work for other promotions. Um, so a quote from him, I am based in Japan and I will travel for the matches. Basically, I'm in Japan. I work in Japan. I will be active. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. 
And that, like he said, there's other things that can make the contract even more flexible. Like if he, he could work for another promotion, that kind of thing. Anything that allows Ibushi to be in AEW is a good thing. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I agree. Tony Khan has been tweeting up a storm uh, <laughs> since he lost in the in the ratings war between NXT Mania and uh, Dynamite. And uh, he sent out a tweet about when business became personal between he and WWE. And he talks about when his mother's life was saved by the, the, the Mayo Clinic and when he was in the hospital with his mother, WWE took advantage of that time to try and poach some of his top stars while he was distracted with taking care of his mother. And that's when business became personal. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting... Uh, uh, just an interesting peek into his psyche, I guess. Uh, so apparently FTR dropping the belts to Ricky Starks and Big Bill uh, with the Wheeler, uh, the Cash Wheeler injury angle was Dax's idea to put over Bill and Ricky. Uh, Tony Khan took a shot at the NXT ratings in one of his many tweets this week, uh, you know, he basically said, uh, WWE broke a streak, uh, or no, he said, what did he say? He said, John Cena and The Undertaker broke a streak of, uh, you know, being on shows with over a million viewers, you know, by appearing on NXT. And... You know, the thing that's that's ironic about that is that pretty much every WWE, for, every former WWE superstar that he has signed, you could say that about them when they come to AEW, that they are breaking their streak of being on shows with over a million viewers by appearing on AEW. So that's maybe not the wisest thing to have said. Uh... But who am I to judge? Uh, CFX and AEW reached a settlement in a lawsuit uh, over Luchasaurus's mask. Because apparently, what what exactly was the... So, um, this lawsuit's been going on for uh, a while. Because we first reported it back in like February, like on one of our first episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but CFX uh, created Luchasaurus's original mask... And since then, uh, AEW has stopped using the mask and changed to a different mask, not created by CFX, but basically is a copy of the CFX mask. And so they were suing them over uh, basically creative control and copyright uh, of the mask design. And so they settled. Okay. There's more to it than that, but that's the short of it. So in some good news... Uh, AEW is part of a $1 million merchandise donation to Toys for Tots. So that's very cool. Uh, Christmas coming up uh, sooner than we think, of course. 
so that's something to think about is where are you going to donate this holiday season? Because if you don't donate during the holidays, you're a selfish jerk. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's do... You want to do rankings? Rankings. Top five. Top, 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 five. It's time for the top five rankings. Every week we rank the top five men, the top five women, and the top five teams in AEW. Our ranking process is proprietary. It's top secret and we'll never tell you how we do it. Who do you want to do first, Kay? I want to do the teams because they were the hardest this week. The teams first. Okay. Uh, This is tag teams and trios teams. We put them together because there are so few. Number five, uh, dropping two spots from number three, the Young Bucks, the number one contenders to the AEW tag team titles. Number four, uh, coming up a spot from number five, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, Better Than You, Bebe, who are somehow still the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, Mm -hmm. despite Adam Cole's injury. Uh, number three, unranked last week, Hangman and the Young Bucks, the Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions. Number two, dropping a spot from number one last week, Big Bill and Ricky Starks, the AEW World Tag Team Champions. And that means that number one, is the team that was number two last week, the acclaimed and daddy-ass, the AEW World Trios champions. So you've got number one, acclaimed and daddy-ass, number two, Big Bill and Ricky Starks, number three, Hangman and the Young Bucks, number four, Better Than You, Bebe, number five, the Young Bucks. I think it's worth noting, since we're we're ranking the teams, uh, is that how many team-based matches did we have this week on Collision or Dynamite? Zero. That is right. We had zero. Yeah, we had. We have four sets of belts. Yes, we have for these these divisions. Right, we and... have the AEW World Trios titles, the AEW World Tag Team titles, the Ring of Honor Six Man World Tag Team titles, and the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. And we only had singles matches this week. Right, there were no tag team matches. And no trios matches mm-hmm. on AEW television. Uh, maybe uh, or, on on, on a- maybe on Rampage, yeah, maybe but we don't we talk don't about Rampage. Yeah, no. We just talk about Collision and Dynamite. Yeah. Rampage is its own thing. Um, but yeah, isn't that odd? So odd. No, no team matches. Where do you want to go next, women or men? Let's do men. All right, men. Number five, falling a spot from number four. Brian Danielson. Number four, back on the list, Orange Cassidy, the AEW International Champion, two times. Number three, falling a spot from number two, Jay White, Switchblade Jay White. Number two, rising up a spot from number three. He's moving on up there, the AEW TNT Champion, Christian. And number one, 
the AEW World Champion, and half of the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, MJF. So we've got number one, MJF, number two, Christian, number three, Jay White, number four, Orange Cassidy, number five, Brian Danielson. And that leaves the women. Number five, Soraya of the Outcasts, falling three spots from number two. Uh, rising a spot from number five, number four, Sky Blue. Falling two spots from number one, number three, Tony Storm. Rising a spot from number three is number two, the AEW TBS champion, Chris Statlander. And rising three spots from number four, the number one woman in AEW, the AEW Women's World Champion, Hikaru Shida. So number one, Hikaru Shida. Number two, Chris Statlander. Number three, Tony Storm. Number four, Sky Blue. Number five, Soraya. Those have been your AEW Top 5 Rankings. So do we have any storylines in particular you would like to talk about? Well, I thought our topic of the week was the lack of stories. Yeah. So I think... I mean, did you want to talk about... We, we hit on all the storylines that are currently going on. I think we did. Yeah, so... You picked the lack of stories topic, so I'll let you lead off with it. I want to hear your... <laughs> my, my, I want to hear your response. My, my thesis statement is... Matches are more exciting when there is a story behind them. Respond. Well, I don't agree with you. Okay, tell me why. So, I mean, I think it depends on what you're into wrestling for. I'm into wrestling for the wrestling. And, like, I know that seems like a cheap way to kind of get out of having this conversation. But I think, you, yes, you can make the arguments that wrestling matches can be more compelling if there's a story behind them. But I don't think that the argument that wrestling needs stories to be compelling is accurate. I think Ring of Honor is a great example of that. Ring of Honor, my favorite promotion, uh, has almost no stories happening. And they put on some of the best matches. Because it's about the wrestling, it's not about the stories. It's also why I prefer AEW to WWE. Because WWE, wrestling is secondary to the stories. And I think there is a happy medium there, whereas, like, in AEW, stories are secondary to the wrestling. And I'm sure there's a balance you could strike there, but I don't need that balance to be happy. Like, I am very satisfied with with good wrestling matches happening without any kind of explanation behind them. I'm not happy with mediocre wrestling matches happening without without, uh, without any kind of story behind them. So I guess... That would be my only, my only complaint. Uh, so I feel like you need stories for the mid card, <laughs> I guess, uh, in the bottom bottom card. Uh, but now you're making a weird face at me. You don't get what I'm saying. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like if the wrestling's not <clears throat> enough to sell the story of like this is going to be a good match because it's going to be an awesome match because these wrestlers are really good, then yeah, add a story to like sweeten the deal. But, like, 
Why don't you? Why do you think WWE is consistently beating AEW in the ratings? It's not the wrestling. No, sure as fuck not the wrestling. Uh, because they're the. It's like why the NFL is beating whatever the hell that other company is that started that's not the NFL that also plays football. Because the NFL has been around for like what a hundred years or something, and when people talk about football. And they talk about pro football. They're talking about the NFL. It's because of the stories. It's not. It's because of the stories. If AEW had better stories, people would be tuning in to AEW over WWE. I promise you. I think there are still people that don't know that AEW exists. I promise you. Because WCW, when they got the NWO story, people went to WCW in droves. And mm-hmm. they started beating WWF in the ratings mm-hmm. because of story. Well, but you're saying right now the best story in wrestling is the Roderick Strong story. No, I'm saying that's the most entertaining to me. Oh. What would you say the best story in wrestling is right now? Well, if you're in the wrestling business, it's the bloodline. I'm not asking if you're on it. I'm asking you. Me? What's the best story in in wrestling right now? Yeah. Is there one? Are there any good stories? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's 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 several. I I would probably say I would probably say Yeah, the the whole thing going on with MJF and Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. So, what you're saying is right now, in wrestling, the best story is a story in AEW. So then why aren't people flying in droves like you were just saying... To AEW, if the reason why they're watching WWE instead of AEW is because of the stories. Because most people don't agree with me. Most people think that the bloodline is the best story. That story sucks. I'm so tired of that story. But most people think it's the best story, which is why they're with WWE. Yeah. I don't think so. I think so. I think people are with WWE. Most Most people are dying to see Roman Reigns when he makes his seldom appearances. They're they're always interested to see him. They want to see Roman. They want to catch a glimpse of Roman Reigns when he's on TV once every two months or three months so, or whatever. The custodian of my school, Keyshawn, watches WWE and has since he was a child. So shout out to Keyshawn. He's awesome. Uh, he and I talk about wrestling all the time. And he watches WWE, not AEW. And when I asked him why, he said it's because he's always watched WWE and it's what he grew up watching. It has nothing to do with stories. He did watch AEW at first when I first started, and then stopped, I guess, because AEW wasn't that good when I first started. Um, but it wasn't for the stories. It's because that's what he knew, and that's what he grew up with. And I think it's the same thing with the NFL. It doesn't matter how good the football is in, I don't know, the XFL or whatever it is now. Uh, you know, like, the NFL is what people think of when they think of football. Like, it's it's synonymous with football. Like, when people talk about pro wrestling, a lot of times they don't even say pro wrestling. They say WWE. 
It's like tissues and Kleenex. Yeah, but still, I'm telling you, AEW would balloon if they would work on their stories. They would balloon in popularity. I'm telling you. I believe you. Because WCW, but I don't want WCW went from a, a wrestling company that was mm-hmm. about to be cut off of of the Ted Turner, you know, life support to a, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, undertaking. Mm-hmm. Just printing money for for several years during the NWO angle. But I don't want AW to become so focused on stories that they become WWE. Like, I don't watch WWE because I don't like it. Like, I don't want AEW to become more popular because they're changing their product and becoming what I don't like about the other company. You know, like, I would rather them not have great stories and have consistently good wrestling. And I mean, yes, there's room for improvement, but I don't think it needs to change like the foundation of who it is and how it shows ourselves. Well, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the wrestling public at large. I'm talking about what people want, not what you want. Okay, but I'm talking about what I want. You asked me my opinion. My opinion is okay, obviously okay. what I want. But I'm talking about what people want. Yeah, I don't care about what people want. I care about what I want. Well, I'm talking about what people want is they want stories. Yeah, so watch a fucking soap opera. I'm in this but they for the want wrestling. the wrestling too, but they want the wrestling too. The wrestling is awesome, and it's so much more awesome when there is a story. Like I said earlier in the show, that the you know you can have an awesome match between you know whoever we said Kenny Omega versus Kyle Fletcher, but it's way more awesome if it's Kenny Omega versus Kyle Fletcher, and it's he stole my jacket. The, That's so much better. It's yeah. just an example. I know it is. That adds way more to it. It's example. like, oh man, he stole his fucking jacket. He's gonna get his jacket back. It's instantly <laughs> what would you way do better. If you turned it on the television and he was like, you know what? He stole my favorite jacket. Yeah. Like you'd be like, ooh, yes, it's the jacket storyline I've been waiting for. No, it's just it makes it it makes it better instantly. It makes it better instantly because there are stakes. You know? And that's that's why you know, the problem with, with belts and why belts don't matter a lot of times because the belt is just a thing unless there are stakes to the match. Well, that's part of, like, so it's not... They're fighting not about the jacket. They're fighting for position. And it made more sense when there was ranking in AEW, and I'm not thrilled that they've gotten rid of that. But... Or, like, even, like, the tracking and constant display of, like, records and stuff, you know? I feel like that allowed for more room yeah, yeah, of lack of I, story. For position, too. Yeah. Right, right. But you got stories, too. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I care more about the position than the story. Like, I'd rather see a fight. But you can have because... both, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but you don't need both. But it would be more entertaining with both. That's what it's always been. I will give you... They can take away the squash matches and put in story segments. But that is all the time I'm allotting for my current wrestling programming to be diverted to storytelling. I'm just saying, that's why... Because I don't want to lose wrestling That's why AEW isn't doing better. Because what it's always been is is stories and wrestling. Not in modern times. You're oversimplifying this. 
Because if no, I, it is simple. That's the problem with no. AEW is that it is simple, and they're fucking it up. No, I'm and saying, they're putting all this money into something that's easily solved. By saying Write this some is the stories. reason why AEW is not as successful as WWE is incredibly short-sighted. No, it, it is ignoring a million other one. factors. That's reason number one. Production value, I would argue, is a bigger reason than that. Because when people see wrestling, they expect to see the production value level of WWE. And as soon as they see AEW, before they see any of the wrestling, before they get a story told to them, they're analyzing it based on the product they're visually seeing and mm. hearing. And it is a much lower level than what they're used to. So not only is this a secondary company, but it's a secondary company that appears rinky-dink visually at first glance. And that instantly is going to put people off the I don't think it product. appears rinky-dink. Really? You think it appears rinky-dink? I Less so now than it used to, but... I don't think it does. I think it's like, it's like NXT, like the way their rings are set up and stuff. Yeah. I don't think so. You talk, you talk all the time about how they need to improve their entrances that yeah. like, and their production yeah. value. You yeah. are the production value their, person. Their entrances, yeah, for sure. But I'm talking about if you're watching a match. I'm, I'm not talking. I'm talking about before you even make it to a match. Oh, I'm talking. I'm talking about match. No, I'm not talking about. Well, that's match. what most of the TV time is: is matches on AEW. Yeah, is matches the yeah. ring? You're looking at the ring and wrestling. I'm talking about like first glance when the show opens. Oh, you're, yeah. You're still you're looking at the announcers. Well, you're looking at the stage as a whole. Well, they just, need to improve not, that too. Huh? They need to improve that too. That's part of it too. But I don't want them to. Like that's what I like it the way it is. Well, I'm saying they, the, they need to improve it because they they are trying to be number one. So they need to improve it. They need to improve the stage. They need to improve their entrances. They need to have stories. These are, are they the, trying to be number one? Yeah, I think that's the goal. I thought you told me that you thought they were just competing against themselves and not against WWE. No, I think that's their goal. I think they want to be number one. Well, they're definitely the best in wrestling. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, duh. I mean, isn't that their goal? To have a better product, which they do? No, I think they want to win the ratings. I think they would love to be the number one company. Oh, well, if that's their goal, then yes, they need stories. But I uh, that would also mean they need less wrestling. Because people, obviously, if they love WWE, don't care about the wrestling. It's like tertiary to why they're there. I mean, you gotta have stories. That's the thing. I don't care about stories. <laughs> yeah, but it's not about you. We're not. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking I'm about talking wrestling about, fans. I just have a hard time. I'm talking about I, American I know, wrestling fans. I just don't fans. understand. Like, I don't. I don't understand why you need stories. I'm gonna like, show good you. Good wrestling is good wrestling. Like like Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, to use an extreme example. There's no story there. Yeah, but that's an extreme example. But it was glorious. It's the best match we've seen yeah, all but year. that's an extreme example. Like that and said. Daniel, Di- Daniel Dian. <laughs> Daniel Bryan. You know, I mean, like, him and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. There was kind of a story. It was who's the best technical wrestler in the world. 
But that's it. That's the extent of the story. Yeah, but those are extreme examples. But they're the, also the two best matches we've seen all year, and they had no story. Yeah. So your argument that a match needs to be elevated by a story. Most matches. 99% of matches need stories. I'm just for good wrestling. Well, you need stories. One of... One of the best pay-per-views ever ever uh, run was the 1998 WWF Survivor Series. And what they had done was at Judgment Day, uh, well... Excuse me. I'll take it a, a month for a month before they had they had had a long term booking, September nineteen ninety eight, the Undertaker and Kane both pinned World Champion Stone Cold Steve Austin to win the title. The next night, the title was declared vacant. In October, at the Judgment Day pay per view, they had. Uh, they had a match between The Undertaker and Kane for the world title. And Stone Cold was made the, the special guest referee. Okay? So no winner was declared in that match. As guest referee Stone Cold made a three count on both men when they were lying on the mat and announced himself as the winner of the match and the new world champion. And, of course, that wasn't going to fly with Vince McMahon. The referee can't announce himself as the winner of the match. So what did he do? He crafted a tournament that, obviously, Stone Cold can't ruin that. So Survivor Series 1998, there was a tournament. And it had a a lot of the top names in, in WWF. And Stone Cold was there, of course. So I'll tell you what they did. Um, They had uh, the corporation, which was Vince McMahon's stable, was just starting. Which was just, you know, wrestlers who answered to Vince McMahon and helped out his cause, whatever it was. You know, they were Mm -hmm. lackeys for Vince McMahon. And Mankind was part of that. Not because Vince McMahon wanted him to be, but because he wanted to be close to Vince McMahon. He wanted Vince McMahon as like a father figure. Mm-hmm. So Mankind was in the tournament. So in the first match, Mankind defeated Dwayne Gill, uh, who was a, a jobber. And they put a jobber in the tournament. So the corporate Mankind... Corporate Mankind wore a tie. That's why when you see Mankind with a suit and tie, that's why Mankind, when you see him with a tie, is that's where that started. Is he, he was Corporate Mankind. So Mankind beat a jobber, Dwayne Gill. Uh, then Al Snow beat Jeff Jarrett in the tournament. And the next match, Stone Cold Steve Austin faced 
the big boss man, one of Vince McMahon's corporate henchmen. Stone Cold beat him. Then X-Pac wrestled to a double countout with Steven Regal. Uh, Ken Shamrock, another of Vince McMahon's henchmen, advanced by beating Goldust. And then uh, the people's champion, The Rock, was supposed to wrestle Triple H, but Triple H was hurt, so they replaced him at the last minute with Corporate Stooge, the Big Boss Man. So The Rock now has to wrestle the Big Boss Man. The Rock beats the Big Boss Man, though. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just telling you the story here. Mm -hmm. In the quarterfinals, The Undertaker and Kane were set to face each other. They had both received buys. Undertaker beat Kane. Corporate Mankind beat Al Snow. The Rock beat Corporate Stooge Ken Shamrock. In the semifinals, Mankind beat Steve Austin, who had had a bye in the quarterfinals. And The Rock, the people's champion, beat The Undertaker. So for the finals, we had the people's champion, The Rock, against the corporate stooge Mankind. Mm-hmm. You know, so Vince McMahon didn't want Mankind as as part of the corporate team, but now he's he's forced into, you know, he can't have the people's champion. So now he's forced into putting all of his chips on Mankind. This guy who just wants to be a part of his corporation. So, it comes down to, as I said, the Rock and Mankind. Rock is the people's champion. He's become a face just recently. People, The face reactions, it's kind of like L.A. Knight has been recently mm. in wrestling. Where people are just loving it. They're loving everything he does. His catchphrases, he's the coolest thing. People have ever seen. People mm-hmm. are just loving it. And, he, and and this is when he became known as the people's champion. And The Rock puts the mankind, mankind in the sharpshooter. And then Vince McMahon calls for the bell. And then it turns out that The Rock, the people's champion, all along had been the biggest corporate stooge, and The Rock was now a part of Vince McMahon's corporation. And everybody at home and this audience of fucking, whatever, 18,000 people were shocked that the people's champion, who they had become, you know, in love with over the last three months, had just turned on them in this, in his moment of glory, what was supposed to be his moment of glory, becoming world champion and the people's champion, and it become this huge corporate stooge. And my point is, this is just an expertly crafted story told in one night. And can you imagine that string of matches if it didn't have a story behind it? Told one night. No, that was one night of matches that no, I just I read to you. I understand that, but all of the backstory that went into it wasn't one night. Okay, but the the tournament was was all in one night. Mm-hmm. And my and my point is the the 
the the matches in which they put the the corporate stooges, it, it turned out was fixed. Like the Rock mm-hmm. fought the Big Boss Man in one round, it was fixed. Mm-hmm. Triple H was hurt. They put the Big Boss Man in against mm-hmm. the Rock. The Big Boss Man took a dive because yeah. the Rock and the Big Boss Man were both in the corporation. Just the story that they told in one night, of the Rock turning. And mankind getting spurned once again by Vince McMahon and being turned away ultimately uh, at, you know, being turned away at the door again by Vince McMahon was, was just a master class in storytelling by Vince McMahon and Vince mm-hmm. Russo. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was pro- probably the best thing Vince Russo ever had even partial credit for doing. And my point is, what would this have been without story? You know? And and I picked this out because I think it's one, It's probably the best story ever told throughout the course of a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think inarguably. Probably. And if you had just had those matches just with, without story, that's what I'm saying, what would it have been? A good tournament. A good tournament, right. As opposed to a great tournament and a master class in storytelling. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the point you're trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that the story that they told made that so much more awesome than it would have been if it didn't have a story. That's my point. Yeah, but I feel like, yeah, you can make the point that great stories are going to make good matches even better. Right, that's my point. But my point is that great matches don't need good stories. That they can be great without a story. Which is also true, because I have examples of that, and you have an example of the opposite of that. Yeah, it's definitely true, but every match isn't going to be a great match. I know, and every story is not going to be a great story. Right, but that's why you need stories, because every match isn't a great match. Most matches aren't great matches. Most matches aren't Kenny Omega and and, uh, Will Ospreay. I just feel like if you're a wrestling company, your goal should be great matches. It should should be, yeah, definitely. And that should be the focus more than great stories. I think it should be both. I think there's room for it to be both, but I think Tony Khan can't do all that by himself. So if he wants to even enter the realm of being a good storyteller, let alone a great storyteller, he needs to hire some help. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. He definitely needs help. Send him your resume. Okay. But, I guess we'll just agree to disagree about the story thing. We'll have to. I'm super stubborn, so that's probably for the best. Yeah, that's how most of our arguments will end. Yeah. So, um, well, folks, what I was gonna say, have... I was gonna say, folks, and like, if in the comments you want to put, if you think there needs to be more of a focus in AW and storytelling, yeah, tell us or let us know, or let or, us know your thoughts in general. Let us know your thoughts in general, or if you want to share some of your favorite wrestling stories, like I did, mm-hmm. let us let us know. Or your favorite storyless wrestling matches, or like your favorite matches that had no story, right? Do that, too. Let us know. Talk to us. We'll talk back. Uh, this has been No Bones About Wrestling, AEW Weekly. 
Hopefully you enjoyed yourselves. Hopefully you learned a little something. Hopefully you laughed a little. Hopefully, I was going to say hopefully you cried a little, but hopefully you didn't cry. I'm crying a little bit. Oh. Um, (laughs) So thank you for listening. Uh, Make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. Tell your loved ones to subscribe. And, and like, uh, and what? Rate us. <laughs> and rate us. And, uh, rate us mm-hmm. and, uh, five stars, five bones, whatever they'll let you rate us. Five pumpkins. And feel free to uh, check out our other YouTube content. Uh, we have an unboxing of the latest AEW uh, All Elite Crate that came out just last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have our latest... Halloween Havoc 1993 watch along, mm-hmm. uh, which is up and available for your viewing pleasure. Yeah, we have some other Halloween Havoc watch alongs from, from this month. Mm-hmm. And, and we have an upcoming one. We have an upcoming one on October 29th, I believe. That's not official yet, so don't mark your calendar oh. just yet. Sorry, I thought that was official. Sorry. Uh, but I believe we're doing one October mm-hmm. 29th. Anyways. Thanks very much for listening. As McFoley would say, have a nice day. Bye.